Chapter Four of The Spider by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Four Who Was Caught in the Trap? Vernon had his doubts as to the success of Mr. Dimsdale's scheme. The spider, as the authorities very well knew, was a wary individual and in all dealings with his victims had been careful to provide for his own safety. He certainly met them at duly appointed places, disguised as an old woman or a young man, as a navvy or as a foreigner, but none of those he intimidated dared to call in the police. The reason was that the spider invariably advised them beforehand by letter that his accomplice held the evidence of the secrets for which they were being blackmailed, and that any proceedings being taken would result in the publication of these by cards being sent to their friends and relatives and acquaintances. It therefore can easily be guessed that no one had the courage to lay the rogue by the heels. But as it appeared, the spider had, in Mr. Dimsdale, stumbled on a man who was not averse to his secret being known vernon wondered what the ex-police commissioner had done that he should have one at all and looked forward eagerly to being told dimsdale was such a very respectable old gentleman and so very open in his speech and actions and entire life that it seemed incredible that he should conceal anything however as the spider had learned in some extraordinary way he did possess some secret and therefore was being threatened it was lucky for dimsdale in particular and the public at large that he cared so little for the revelation of whatever shady doings he had been concerned in since by trapping the spider an end would be put to the dangerous career of this social pest whatever mr dimsdale's secret might be he well deserved to be forgiven for the service which he was rendering to everyone but it was questionable in vernon's opinion if the spider would meet his victim in a house filled with company where there was every chance of a hue and cry being raised certainly the scamp well protected by mask and domino would be able to mingle with the company unobserved even if unmasked he could not be discovered other than as an uninvited guest since no one knew his actual appearance and then he might choose to come as a cabman or a chauffeur or as a waiter at the supper of course if he kept the appointment in the library his identity would be proved beyond all doubt when he made his blackmailing demand this the spider although confident for the usual reason of the silence of dimsdale might not choose to risk since many people being in the bungalow he might be overheard vernon looked at the whole affair as a somewhat forlorn hope until he three or four days later received a letter from mr dimsdale the old gentleman wrote that the spider had agreed to meet him in the library at rangoon at eleven o'clock in the evening and requested he vernon to enter the room earlier so that he could be concealed behind the screen i have not mr dimsdale went on to say advise the police as it is necessary for us to talk until we have trapped our bird but once he is in your grip he will see the folly of resistance and will probably agree to walk quietly to the hampstead police station failing that we can shout for assistance of which it is obvious there will be plenty at hand 
but you will understand that i wish to effect the capture as quietly as possible so as not to alarm my guests in the latter part of his letter dimsdale stated that maunders had been calling at the bungalow during his the writer's last interview with vernon he was in fact round the corner of the house nearest to the library when vernon stepped out of the french window dimsdale had found him there on the veranda in the company of the girls and had promptly told him that he was not wanted in his usual peppery way there had been a row as maunders had been grossly insolent but miss hest a very capable girl as mr dimsdale wrote had induced him to depart confirmation of this report was received by vernon from maunders himself when the two met by chance in piccadilly the old man was most insolent complained maunders indignantly there is no crime in loving ida so far as i can see since you love miss corsoon and only run after ida for her money i think mr dimsdale has every reason to forbid you the house said vernon dryly oh rot i know what i'm about as to forbidding me the house i received an invitation to the masked ball on monday and i'm going ida only extorted permission from her father to ask you if you're a gentleman you will not go to be received on sufferance maunders chuckled coolly ida won't receive me in that way said he with superb insolence as she really loves me and the old gentleman doesn't matter i love lucy but she has no money so i expect i shall have to sacrifice myself by marrying ida if mr dimsdale will allow you chafed vernon oh he won't but ida can defy him if she does she will lose her fortune that remains to be seen said maunders airily hang old dimsdale what objection can he have to me your aunt might tell you said vernon significantly the blood rushed to maunders cheek and he looked searchingly at his friend but not agreeably what do you mean i mean that i can only consent to take you into partnership if you succeed in capturing the spider said vernon slowly and somewhat evasively who is the spider i think you know if not from the newspapers then from mrs bedge maunders looked at the ground so old dimsdale told you yes he wished to enlist my services on behalf of your aunt to capture this blackmailing beast oh and do you intend to no i intend to leave the capture to you maunders opened his eyes but my dear chap i know nothing about the spider as you call this man to say nothing of detective business yet you wish to become nemo's partner said vernon very dryly see here maunders it's no use beating about the bush i shan't take you as my partner unless you catch this man and so prove your capability and suppose i tell everyone who nemo is asked maunders with an ugly look you can do so if you like rejoined vernon coolly for then there will be no nemo i shall simply leave england and seek my fortune in africa and after all i don't see why you should refuse this test it's to your own advantage that he should be caught unless you want your aunt to pay five thousand pounds bosh what the spider says is a lie i dare say but it won't be pleasant for mrs bedge to know that her friends receive cards stating you are her natural son it's an infernal lie raged maunders the blood flushing his cheek and making him look handsomer than ever i am not a bit like my aunt in any way 
it is true her sister was my mother but i take after my father constantine mavrocordato dimsdale told you that he seems to have imparted a lot of my private affairs to you observed maunders acidly they are quite safe with me as nemo i don't use my private discoveries to blackmail people do you believe this lie of the spiders no i don't for one moment mrs bedge is a good kind woman far too good for you maunders she has brought you up and educated you and allows you money and altogether has behaved like a trump for her sake if not for the sake of becoming my partner in a paying business you ought to hunt out this brute who asperses her fair fame the other man stared again at his neat boots i'm not such a rotter as you think vernon he said in a voice filled with feeling and of course i appreciate my aunt's kindness we'll let the partnership business stand over for the present i give you my word that i shan't tell a soul you are nemo also i'll go to work on my own and see if i can't catch the spider he's not going to get five thousand pounds of my money if i can help it your aunt's money corrected vernon gently it will be mine some day said maunders with a shrug but you can see that i have some conscience badly though you think of me i don't think so very badly of you replied vernon hurriedly and somewhat untruthfully you have your good points constantine but you are so given over to pleasure that you stop at nothing to gratify it i stop on the right side of the law however retorted maunders again becoming his callous self after the momentary softening there will be no chance of nemo catching me well good day i'll do what i say and perhaps when i meet you at the ball i'll have something to tell you you intend to go then in spite of dimsdale's behaviour yes i do said maunders doggedly and i intend to marry ida with her thousands a year so now you know and he walked off abruptly leaving vernon to congratulate himself that he no longer had a dangerous rival in the affections of lucy corsoon though i don't believe old dimsdale will consent to the marriage with ida thought vernon as he resumed his interrupted walk during the few days that still remained until the night of the masked ball vernon saw nothing of maunders or of martin dimsdale but on the monday morning when having luncheon in the triclinium of the athenian club colonel towton made his appearance he glanced round the room and catching sight of vernon walked up to his table day he said in his sharp military way i'll join you here if you have no objections delighted colonel replied vernon and passed along the menu he wondered why towton was making such a palpable advance towards friendship for as a rule he was somewhat stiff with a reserved manner after the way of army men the colonel seemed to be in no hurry to explain but fixed his eyeglass to examine the card and order his luncheon he was a tall slim dry-looking man perfectly groomed and perfectly dressed and perfectly master of himself in spite of his forty-five years his close-cropped hair and smartly twisted moustache were without a grey hair dark and knightly-looking with alert eyes of irish blue he looked as juvenile as any of his subalterns he was one of those men who ripen young so to speak and who remain in that condition for the rest of their lives towton was an admirable soldier with several letters after his name and it was a pity as everyone said that he had retired so early from the army he should certainly have remained in order to attain the rank of a general 
but it was generally known that family reasons connected with the inheritance of a yorkshire estate had necessitated the colonel sending in his papers outside his profession he was not talented but had a considerable fund of common sense which is a rarer commodity than people imagine i want to have a private talk with you vernon said the colonel after he had selected his dish luckily there's no one within earshot he glanced round the room to note that he and his companion were isolated in a secluded corner you don't mind my having a private talk do you he jerked staring through his eyeglass and twisting his moustache i am at your service said vernon wondering what was coming i am going to be rather personal both as regards your affairs and my own went on towton very directly and honestly rather odd in a man who is a mere acquaintance eh not at all said vernon politely i can only repeat that i am at your service colonel fact is i wouldn't say a word but that i know you're a good sort plenty of chaps say that and again towton unfolded his napkin rather nervously for him you are a great friend of the dimsdales yes i am acknowledged vernon guessing somewhat of the business which had brought the colonel to his table and a friend of young maunders we were at school together and a friend of the corsoons pursued towton distinctly ill at ease as if he felt that he was taking a liberty see here colonel remarked his companion straightly i guess what you are driving at from your coupling of those two names may i speak out yes towton nodded away the waiter who had brought his soup you are in love with miss dimsdale and maunders is paying her attentions quite so may i add on my part that you are in love with miss corsoon and that the same gentleman is your rival vernon nodded and pushed away his empty plate i think we have cleared the ground for action he said significantly i am obliged to you for your candour said towton courteously and i knew from your reputation that you would meet me half-way it is not easy for an elderly man such as i am to speak of his love for a young girl but as i am devoted to her and you are devoted to miss corsoon it seemed to me that we might join forces against that handsome young scamp who is playing fast and loose with the affections of both girls on this ground i ventured to take the liberty of speaking to you on so private a subject i am very glad that you did so colonel our united actions may be of great service to the ladies in question maunders he hesitated generously i know interrupted towton abruptly that young gentleman's reputation is as bad as yours is good even if i did not love miss dimsdale i should feel justified in doing my best to save her from that scamp you can tell him that i said so if you like what give your plans away to our common enemy said vernon jokingly that would scarcely be wise maunders is as clever as the devil and as unscrupulous but let us be frank which of these girls does he love in your opinion what love he can spare from himself he gives to miss corsoon but he is after miss dimsdale's fortune i thought so she is infatuated with him worse luck and miss corsoon she and i understand one another said vernon with some reserve i am not afraid of maunders in that quarter although he has good looks and a great charm of manner we are talking of very delicate matters colonel i know we are i know we are towton flicked his napkin irritably ladies names shouldn't be mentioned between gentlemen i am rather a turk in that respect 
but as this young gentleman will make both of them miserable and is a thorn in your flesh as in mine we must between ourselves put delicacy on one side what do you propose to do i don't know said vernon crumbling his bread dismally lady corsoon certainly will not let her daughter marry a poor man such as i am what are your plans colonel i don't know repeated towton equally dismally miss dimsdale is crazy about maunders and will not cast a glance at me the father is on my side however so i have some chance you may take it as certain said vernon with decision that dimsdale will never consent to his daughter becoming mrs maunders she may defy him there is that possibility certainly hang him muttered towton referring to maunders why can't he marry miss hest and have done with it miss hest has neither the money nor the looks to attract such a gay spark oh come now she's a handsome girl not in maunders way he likes weak women whom he can bully and miss hest is much too firm in managing a wife for him to risk by the way are you going to the ball to-night yes towton's face lighted up with ridiculous pleasure it may give me a chance to no don't propose colonel you will only be refused take my advice and wait for a week or so maunders may be out of your way by that time what do you mean exactly i am not at liberty to say but i advise you to wait towton played with his bread and cheese all right he said at length i place myself in your hands although i am hanged if i can see what you mean well confessed vernon rising to tell you the truth i am not very sure myself what i do mean but i have a kind of instinct that if both of us play a waiting game maunders will get the cold shoulder from ida i mean miss dimsdale yes and from miss corsoon come into the pinacoteca and smoke the two conspirators went there and discussed the matter further as vernon had confessed he had no clear idea in his mind as to why he advised the colonel to wait but in some vague way he fancied that this business of the spider might occupy maunders time and prevent his paying his usual attentions to lucy and ida in that case both the girls would probably feel offended then vernon intended to bring them together in some as yet unthought-of way so that they might mutually discover how maunders was courting both of them indiscriminately lucy of course in any case would have nothing to do with the young man but ida's pride taking fire might induce her on making this discovery to listen to the colonel's wooing everything in vernon's brain was vague and undecided but he faintly felt that if evidence happened in some such way maunders might be eliminated as a stumbling-block all these possibilities however being still in the clouds he did not reveal them to towton the conversation in the pinacoteca resolved itself into the two men consoling one another regarding their doubtful love affairs arranging to meet at the masked ball they parted on more than friendly terms and with quite a feeling of intimacy this was natural considering what they had been discussing but the proposed meeting at rangoon never came off the unexpected happened as vernon might have guessed it would but with all his experience of life he was never so much astonished as when a telegram was handed in at his rooms with the name of lucy corsoon attached come to number thirty four waller street west kensington ran the wire at nine o'clock trouble with m l corsoon now what the deuce does this mean 
vernon asked himself undoubtedly the letter m referred to maunders since there was no one else with that initial to cause trouble but what the trouble might be or why carefully guarded lucy corsoon should be in west kensington it was hard to say lady corsoon rarely let her daughter out of her sight and on this night both were due at rangoon to enjoy the masked ball but as vernon rapidly reflected there could be only one reply to so urgent a wire and that was to stand on the doorstep of number thirty four waller street west kensington at the appointed hour he glanced at his watch it was after eight so he had only time to drive from bloomsbury to his destination vernon for obvious reasons connected with his income lived in old-fashioned rooms in that middle-class district and was more comfortable than if he had lived in mayfair both as regards space and rent his domino and mask were lying on a chair ready to be slipped into a brown leather bag he had intended to drive in a taxi to hampstead because of the bag as it was too much trouble to carry it by train since in that case his journey would be broken as he was thinking what was best to be done the landlady's husband who acted as his valet came with the information that the cab was at the door vernon made up his mind at once to act the part of a knight-errant in spite of being due at the ball and without troubling about the domino and mask put on his overcoat unless something serious was wrong and the telegram gave little information he could return get the bag and drive on to the ball but if lucy was in dire trouble he would not go at all to rangoon mr dimsdale would have to manage with the spider as best he could always provided that that astute individual walked into the trap which was doubtful all the way to west kensington vernon puzzled his brains as to what could be the matter and why lucy corsoon should be in a west kensington house ridiculous as it seemed he entertained the idea that she might have been kidnapped by maunders and had contrived to send the wire to the lover upon whom she could rely but then maunders as he had said always kept on the right side of the law and kidnapping was an indictable offence but if he had acted thus rashly as vernon reflected with a thrill he was simply playing into his rival's hands if i rescue lucy lady corsoon will certainly let me marry her out of gratitude thought the young man however the whole affair was so mysterious that until he saw lucy there was little chance of a reasonable explanation he therefore possessed his soul in patience until he arrived in waller street here he sprang out and telling the cabman to wait ran up the stairs of a semi-detached house of the suburban villa residence style the night was bright with moonlight so he easily saw the number on the glass over the door and also the long dull street of similar houses it was some minutes before the appointed time but that mattered very little there seemed to be no light in the house and vernon wondered more than ever why lucy should be in so unusual a locality shortly the sound of light footsteps was heard and a light appeared against which the numerals of the glass above the door stood out black and distinct then the door itself was opened cautiously and the white face of a woman looked out is miss corsoon here asked vernon abruptly are you mr vernon questioned the woman in a frightened whisper yes i received a wire from come in come in breathed the woman and held the door open sufficiently for vernon to slip in i'm so glad you've come 
she went on still below her breath and apparently much afraid it's as much as my life's worth to admit you but the poor young lady is she here yes they've got her in the cellar below only because she cried so much did i dare to send that telegram to you and what the devil does it all mean demanded vernon fiercely and gruffly hush hush don't raise your voice follow me on tiptoe they will hear who are they asked vernon softly and obeying but all the woman said was hush hush so wondering at this strange adventure which seemed genuine enough the young man went after the woman down some wooden stairs which led from the hall to the basement as he followed he saw by the light of the candle which his guide carried that the hall was dusty and unfurnished she led him along a dark passage and opened an end door with an air of mystery the young lady there she said softly handing him the light take the candle and for heaven's sake don't say that i betrayed them them who asked vernon imperatively she clutched his arm they'll hear you she whispered pointing upward and pushing him towards the open door she's drugged in there vernon uttered a loud ejaculation which made his guide shiver and stepped into the dark room holding the candle above his head the next moment the door closed quickly behind him he turned sharply but already the key had clicked crisply in the lock he was a prisoner and it's a plant a plant cried vernon in a cold fury i'm trapped he certainly was for there was no sign of the girl who had been supposed to send the telegram all the terror and whispering of the woman had been a comedy to inveigle him into his prison the place was a small kitchen dusty and forlorn and unfurnished there were no plates on the rack or on the shelves of the open cupboard and no fire in the rusty grate the room had not been occupied for many a long day as the roof and corners were thick with dust and cobwebs an iron-barred window glimmered straight before vernon and there was a small door near it through this he went to find himself in a tiny scullery also lighted dimly by an iron-barred window the door through which he had entered was fast locked and he had no means of opening it there was no doubt that he was a prisoner decoyed to this lonely unfurnished house by means of the false telegram what the deuce does it all mean vernon asked himself and sat down on the dusty floor to think out his position to save his dress clothes he made a cushion of his light overcoat and sat on it hugging his knees with the candle beside him the position was dismal enough and decidedly mysterious as he confessed what does it mean he repeated mentally the next instant the obvious answer flashed into his mind the spider cried vernon leaping to his feet and addressing the bare walls yes this must be the spider's trickery and the more he thought of it the more certain he felt that he had at the first blow hit the right nail on the head in some way the spider had learned of the arranged trap and had sent the wire purporting to come from lucy corsoon as a decoy it had proved only too successful and now here he was safely locked up in an underground room with no chance of escape while mr dimsdale at rangoon was left to face the ingenious scoundrel alone but that's all right vernon soliloquized as he sat down again if i am not on the spot other people are and when the spider makes his demand mr dimsdale will probably raise the alarm the spider is not so clever as i thought this was poor comfort the spider at all events had been clever enough to ensnare a private detective who prided himself on his astuteness one trap had been set by mr dimsdale and here was another set by the spider 
out of which it was impossible to escape the bars of the windows were too strong to twist the door was too stout to break down so there was nothing for it but to wait it was impossible that he could be kept in this dungeon forever and sooner or later he would be released besides someone would have to bring him food and if it was the white-faced woman who had so cleverly led him into the trap vernon promised himself grimly that he would seize her at the first opportunity and make her aid his escape finally the taxi was still at the door and the driver might become sufficiently alarmed if his fare did not reappear to speak to the nearest policeman it was ridiculous that a man should be captured in guarded london in such a way vernon was angry with himself for having been tricked but until the abrupt closing of the door he had never suspected that anything was wrong meanwhile he guessed that the spider having got him out of the way was keeping his appointment with dimsdale in the library it was not probable that the blackmailing would succeed as dimsdale was quick-tempered and as likely as not would simply seize the creature when he demanded his money shouting meanwhile for assistance vernon wished that he was at his appointed post behind the screen but he comforted with the reflection that dimsdale would be able to deal with the matter unassisted so far as he was concerned being helpless he could do nothing but wait for the next hour or so he did not pay much attention to the time vernon wondered how the spider came to know of dimsdale's trap and how he had so cleverly laid his own the blackmailer seemed to know everybody's business as his profession required so in some way he had managed to learn of vernon's love for miss corsoon only such a message from such a girl would have lured the lover into such a predicament and the spider had not only been clever enough to know this but had been clever enough to utilize his knowledge for the moment it was a wild thought and passed in a flash vernon wondered if constantine maunders had anything to do with the matter but the idea was ridiculous since the spider was attempting to blackmail mrs bedge which maunders certainly would not countenance but if not maunders who could it be certainly dimsdale might have talked to someone else about the proposed trap since he was extremely frank and injudicious in his speech vernon resolved to question him on this point when next they met and hoped from his reply to learn who had lured him into number thirty four waller street west kensington having arrived at this conclusion he rested his head on the overcoat and tried to sleep since it was foolish to waste his strength in beating his wings against the prison bars after a time so tired was his brain with hard thinking that he actually fell asleep how long the sleep lasted he did not know but he awoke from a troubled dream with the idea that he heard soft retreating footsteps the candle was burnt to the socket and the room was extremely dark so vernon sat up in a confused way trying to recall his position with alert ears he hearkened for the presumed footsteps but as there was no sound save his own laboured breathing he decided that he had been dreaming it was lucky that he had a box of lucifers in his pocket for the lighting of one enabled him to see the time his watch revealed that it was one o'clock in the morning and as he had arrived at nine he must have been imprisoned for four hours his limbs felt stiff as he rose to his feet and with a yawn he stretched himself i can't stay here all night he muttered desperately i'll try what shouting will do and shout he did with all the power of his lungs only to receive no response feeling that he was losing both time and temper vernon groped his way in the thick darkness towards the door gripping the handle he gave it an angry despairing twist to his surprise the door proved to be open 
apparently the footsteps he had thought dream sounds were real and his prison door had been quietly unlocked at the moment of his awakening picking up his overcoat he felt his way along the passage and up the stairs and into the front hall slow work in the gloom of an unknown locality there was no noise to be heard although he held his breath to listen so far as he could judge the house was empty finally intent upon getting assistance he tried the handle of the front door and found there was no difficulty in getting clear in two minutes he was in the quiet street looking up and down for a policeman the road being isolated and the hour late there was neither vehicle nor pedestrian to be seen nor did any light gleam from the windows of the silent houses vernon shivered in the cold breath of the night then walked swiftly up the street to seek assistance shortly he found a burly constable at the corner and breathlessly detailed all that had happened to that somewhat sceptical officer a shrill whistle brought another policeman to the spot and with the two vernon returned to number thirty four the door of which he had left ajar this somewhat convinced the officers and they took his name and address promising to search the house and also to watch it vernon himself on fire to reach hampstead and to learn what had occurred could not wait to see what discoveries might be made the policeman wished to detain him but finally he got away and raced towards the more public part of west kensington to find a cab as luck would have it he picked up a belated taxi that had just taken home a fare the chauffeur demurred about driving out so far as hampstead but a treble price promptly offered overcame his scruples and in a short time vernon was spinning towards his much wished-for destination all the way he was trying to conjecture how the spider had contrived to overhear the arranging of the trap for he must have done so else there would have been no reason for the imprisonment but by this time vernon's brain was weary and he fell into a doze when he woke the taxi had pulled up with a jerk and he found himself on the heath before the gate of rangoon with a sudden spasm of fear he noted that a policeman was standing at the entrance apparently on guard stumbling out of the cab vernon staggered towards the man i have come to mr dimsdale's ball he said hurriedly it's over sir said the policeman touching his helmet over so early early in the morning sir you mean but the fact is there's trouble trouble again a cold chill struck vernon yes sir and the ball came to an end mr dimsdale dead sir murdered as you might say dead echoed vernon quite dazed strangled said the policeman bluntly end of chapter four read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california